State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Tess, I want to ask you a question real quick. Let's just keep it real straight shot with no chaser. I'm going to get a little bit rough. I'm here for those who really believe in the American process. All of us. Straight shot, no chaser. With your girl, Tesla Figaro, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. What's happening, everybody? This is Tesla Figaro, straight shot, no chaser, on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio, and we are once again digging in deep with our prison series partnered with the George Floyd Foundation. I named this series, We Reclaiming Your Time, uh, taking uh, that phrase from Congresswoman Maxine Waters, and it really made me think about how do you reclaim the time that you lost? How do you get back? They say one thing you can never get back is time. But we wanted to do this series to talk about how do you either serve your time as best as you can? How do you take that time and turn it into passion? How do you take that time and turn it into a purpose? How do you find yourself? How do you uh, better yourself while you are doing your prison time? Again, reminding everybody that this six six episode podcast, it will be distributed directly to over 500,000 incarcerated individuals all over the country. It is such a blessing and opportunity uh, to be able to speak directly to them. But we did want to also air this on our podcast network because there are many of you that have loved ones that have uh, experience uh, during prison time or yourself have done prison time. If you listen to me at any time in my career, you know that my number one, one of my top priorities is mass incarceration. So this fits directly in line uh, to how do we uh, stop or not want to say stop, but how do we put a dent into uh, recidivism? How do we prevent uh, people from coming home and going back to jail and violating? And so this last episode is critically important and it really does sum up everything uh, that we have talked about thus far or as much as we can get in in a 30, 45 minute window. Please go back and watch uh, all of the episodes or listen uh, to all of the episodes uh, because we do touch on mental health. We touch on spiritual well-being. We touch on um, uh, how to actually find your talent. How do you turn the prison sentence into your purpose? All of those things. And I've had wonderful guests, those who have served time and those who have supported those who have served time. And so my next guest, I'm very excited about this. And shout out to everybody that responded to uh, the call because I put the call out to say that I really wanted to talk to someone who uh, has a plethora of experience uh, from the probation uh, and parole side of things. And I got a great response from everybody. Shout out to you, who those who have submitted your background. Um, but I really wanted someone that has had over 20 years of experience because obviously the longer that you're in 
in something, the more you see, the more you know. Um, I've been in politics over 15 years and I do not know the same things that I knew when I started. And there's so much more for me to know. And that really comes from on the job training. So shout out uh, to Councilwoman. Uh, Vanessa Harper, who uh, definitely referred my next guest to me. Again, go check out her interview. We've also interviewed her as well on Straight Shot No Chaser. Uh, but she referred uh, my next guest to me, who has over 20 years uh, experience with the Oklahoma Department of Corrections as a probation officer and parole officer. And the reason why Kelly Levine's experience is so important and on point is because not only does she have over 20 years experience on the adult side, she also currently works in the juvenile detention center. I definitely want to bring her back um, to talk about that because I am positive that a lot of the learned behavior that she sees on the adult side started on the juvenile side. And that will be a wonderful conversation to go all the way back and talk about how this starts uh, with our youth and how do they uh, become what they become, which we touched on that, by the way, uh, with Dr. Smith uh, of talking about how that learned behavior starts at a very young age. So thank you so much. Uh, she said I can call her Kelly. So thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us on Straight Shot No Chaser. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I know that was a long-winded uh, <laughs> intro, but I, I wanted to give everybody some context so that they could know, you know, why we're having this conversation, how they they weave together because that is critical when we talk about our system, our justice system, whether you're talking about mass incarceration, whether you're talking about how the justice system works in itself, in politics, it all layers together. It's all weaved together is one thing after the other. And so you are here to really uh, talk about once they get home and to prepare those who are coming home. We all know, uh, Kelly, that they give you know, they come out and they have these conversations with folks and they prepare. Hey, you're going to meet your parole officer. You're going to meet your probation officer. These are the things you shouldn't do, such as make sure you don't do drugs. Make sure you get a job. Uh, make sure that you don't surround yourself with other felons. Make sure you stay away from guns um, because that can get you, you know, time, depending on the type of, uh, you know, crime uh, in particular that you served, uh, that you uh, did time for. But I really wanted you to come in and just give us, without obviously giving names, give some game. You know, what is it that they need to know, know that you have seen some of the slightest, easiest things for folks to violate, either from a lack of uh, ignorance of just simply not knowing or people, once again, thinking they can beat the system, thinking that I'm smarter than my parole officer, I'm smarter than my probation officer, a lot of the things that we see. So I'm going to uh, give the floor to you. And I, I do want to ask you this quickly, just to get some context. What made you get into, uh, and particularly being a woman, you know, to say, hey, I want to be a probation and parole officer. Give us a little bit of context of why you chose this particular field um, and, and explain that to the listener. Yeah, that wasn't exactly my choice, actually. Um, really, I've always been fascinated just with the law in general. <clears throat> um, and I, um, excuse me, wanted to go to law school. And then I got to college and realized that I was lazy. And so <laughs> I didn't think I was going to make it through law school. So um, but my major was criminal justice. Um, and so, again, just still always having that passion for the legal system um, and um, also having a want to help people. Um, and that was always my goal. And especially being in Oklahoma, um, one thing that I did learn, um, in my tenure at the, at, with Department of Corrections was even if I didn't know them, people that look like me that walk in and see someone that looks like them, that immediate, just that right there was it 
put them a little bit at ease. Because mm-hmm. when you're walking into a situation that you don't know, you you know, people have horror stories about their parole officer or their probation officer. Mm-hmm. So just walking in and seeing someone that looks like them, that little bit was enough to, you know, give them a little bit of ease, you know, at the very beginning. And so that was something that I always took great responsibility in, um, even with hiring, um, cause I did advance to be a supervisor at, while I was there. And that was another thing that, um, I took very seriously was because, you know, again, because I took that seriously, I wanted other people that look like me to mm-hmm. work there as well. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I always took very seriously was whenever there was someone black coming, I, you know, took a little bit extra note, you know, tried to, you know, help them along the way or whatever, just because, there's more people that are coming out of prison. Mm-hmm. They look like us. Mm-hmm. And so in order for, you know, to try to help people a little bit more, not saying that they get any special treatment, mm-hmm. not at all, but just to know that somebody may possibly not count you out as soon as you walk through the door. Right. To right. me, that was always really important. And, um, but also the other, on the other side, don't exploit that because just yeah, because that's I look exactly like what you, I was getting ready to I'm just because I look <laughs> like you doesn't mean I don't still need to take care of my family and still to pay my own bills. Right. And I still have to do my job because that's I mean, you know what I mean? Even though right. I want you to feel at ease, I also need for you to understand that you I don't have get a, job a pass. To do. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And, and you have a responsibility as this is your life, not mine mm-hmm. to take it and do with it what you need to do with it. And so um I kind of got off topic, but no, I'm glad that was, that was my much... next question. I was going to ask you because that they, they will absolutely exploit that. So no, you didn't get off topic. Go, go ahead. Yeah. So that was kind of it. Like I always had, um, a want to help people. Um, and just kind of, and after I got in there, I kind of realized like, um, because of my temperament, it was kind of my niche. Cause I'm very straightforward. Some people call it aggressive. I call it straightforward, whatever. Um, but because I have that and mm-hmm. I am able to um, adapt really well to different situations. And that was one thing that I had to learn very quickly, too, because you may get somebody that, you know, has been on crack for the last 10 years, doesn't have her kids, doesn't know where she's going to eat tomorrow. And then the next person that comes to your office may be a car salesman that makes $10,000 a month that has a cocaine habit. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. and you can't treat each person the same because they're not the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you kind of, that was something that I did learn just, um, just as a person and evolving over time is how to adapt to different situations and how to deal with people. Cause you kind of have to meet people where they are. Mm-hmm. Cause again, I can't have the same conversation with the lady that, you know, doesn't know where she's going to sleep tomorrow as I have with someone that's coming in, you know, because they, had a DUI. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can't have that same conversation because they have different needs. Mm-hmm. So you have to address whatever their needs are. And as, and again, over time, I just learned how to do that. And, you know, I was there for 20 years. So obviously I did it decently well. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm glad you, uh, cause it wasn't off topic. It, 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 that was exactly what I was going to set my next question up to kind of delve into the importance of uh, and we get off topic here because we like to dig deep. But, you know, I can have several questions that I think I want to ask. But if something triggers me to go deeper into that, I, I really I like my discernment to lead me that way. And um, it, 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 what you said was critically important on I ran a staffing firm 
uh, in Orlando and I had uh, 300 employees. But before that, I worked at Adeco and Robert Half, the first and third largest staffing firm in the world. And I was a branch manager there. And when I would go out to hire somebody and walk in the lobby, it was the only black person at that time in Chicago with 125 uh, hiring managers. And I was the only one in management. And when you walk out, you literally see breath like they literally take yeah. a sigh. Like literally yeah. you can see the the anxiety just pour out of their body to say, OK, yeah. maybe I have an opportunity. And we all know that everybody that look like us is not for us. So that oh, most there, definitely yeah, there, there are definitely some folks that use that. Um, hey, I need to have somebody look like me and diversity to get the job. But then once they start doing the job. They forget the importance of having a different learned experience, a different lens, and they right. abuse their power. And I want to I right. am going to talk about abusing power. Hopefully we get enough time to talk about it. But you are absolutely right. Uh, the the anxiety that goes that literally comes out of their out of their body. I'll never forget one of my mm-hmm. favorite employees name was uh, Theo Johnson. And he would laugh all the time because we would always joke about how when I came in and he saw me downtown Orlando, he's like, wow, this is a sister. He just knew it was somebody else's uh, thing. But then he got really right. comfortable when he put a toothpick in his mouth. And I said, take the toothpick out your mouth. You know, you wouldn't do right. that if you go anywhere else. And right. so we always laugh. Right. And, and then he got even more motivated because he saw a sister that was not only handling her business, but holding him to a higher standard right. of accountability. And right. most of the, the folks that I hired, Kelly, were coming directly out of prison or jail. You know, I had guys that didn't even have a driver's license. We're literally using, right. you know, their ID uh, that they weren't supposed to take, by the way but using their ID uh, from just getting released. And so I hire folks all the way from GEDs. I would tell people GEDs, the PhDs, laid off people that were in shelters, people that struggled uh, with dependency issues, all the things that you're talking about. And it is critically important to be able to talk to diverse groups. And it doesn't mean you've lived everybody's experience, but you Mm -hmm. recognize there's different lived experiences. And as now that they're talking about putting a black woman on the Supreme Court, it just really kind of goes into even that argument on, again, not everybody that looks like us is for us, but the lens is different if you've been at least have access to different lived experiences and understanding that you have to adjust that. And so I'm I'm glad that you said that because that is what um, I talk about in politics all the time, making sure that your teams and the folks that you're hiring have different, offer different backgrounds. People of color does not mean black. Black means black. There is no lived experience like it in anywhere in the world. And everybody black didn't live the experience that I did. So I'm glad right. you you made point of that. I'm glad you talked about how that has been exploited. I'm sure some of the stuff you'll share with us are probably directly related to people trying to exploit it and try you. Um, and so I'm I'm glad you pointed pointed that out. Most definitely. So if I were to ask you, well, not ask if I were, I am going to ask you what <laughs> what would you see? And I know it's so much knowledge; it's hard to just you know kind of pin down. But I know with. Uh, my homies and people that I know uh, that that came home and they they got really comfortable, you know, with their uh, their probation officer. And so mm-hmm. I would assume, you know, that's happened to you, which is why you mm-hmm. talked about exploiting it. What are some of the things, I guess, some real tangible tools on how people get comfortable too quickly and how you have had to uh, redirect or maybe violate some folks? based Mm -hmm. upon what they know they should not do. I know they have a list of things they should not do, but if you can Mm -hmm. get in some game on, you know, some of the dumb things, just being honest, you know, that they try, Mm -hmm. 
that that forces you to have to, you know, either violate or have a conversation or or, or things of that nature? Um, one of the things that just popped into my head was um, I had one guy. Um, he was a drug dealer. I knew he was a drug dealer. He knew I knew he was a drug dealer, but he would bring in um, a check stub every time from the wherever. I don't know if he was computer generating them. Don't know. Don't care. But um, basically what he was doing was he was still making drug runs going to Texas, um, you know, doing these drug runs. And so one thing that we have to do um, yearly is order um, yearly rap sheets on everybody that's um, and, and all offenders that are on any case. Like we have to run yearly rap sheets. And so um, you like if obviously if they got arrested in the city that they live in, you would find that out fairly quickly. But if they got arrested somewhere else, you wouldn't know it, you know, unless you did the rap sheets and you actually have to look at the rap sheets because that's one thing that because we would have so many people that you would order the wraps and maybe not actually look at them. Mm. So we'd have to actually look through the wraps and, you know, actually look and see if they have anything new. And, you know, every once in a while you would find someone. But anyway, this one guy. Well, hold on. Before he, you say um, that, can I can I ask you this? Because I want to I, I don't want to forget you're talking about at the state level, because what, yes. what I've seen on the federal side is the moment they even get pulled over. Their yeah. probation so officer yeah, is alerted that's immediately. That's the difference. Okay, yeah, so. that would be the difference. Because on mm. the state level, we find out, like I said, we know locally um, when things happen because we get those alerts from the local PD or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, or even if it's like a surrounding community, we would get that. Or if they go, um, you know, get arrested somewhere in another county and, you know, they find out, sometimes they'll call and tell us. But for the most part, we have to rely on... Like I said, these rap sheets that we pull. Yeah, but don't try it um, if you're doing so, fed time because you will get cut immediately. Like he will get pulled <laughs> over and the probation officer will call and say, hey, did you, why did you just get pulled over in Texas? Like that really happened because yeah. federal is a whole nother level. So I just wanted to put it that is. out there for anybody listening saying, oh, man, yeah. they, they might check it. They may not check it. No, if you're doing federal time, they going to yeah. know. OK, so go yeah. ahead <laughs> immediately. So they're not pulling no reports. Gotten, he had gotten arrested in Texas mm -hmm. um, doing one of these drug runs. And so when I found out about it, you know, I had to write a violation report, let them know what was going on. And um, when he came in and talked to me about it, I was like, because uh, that's what happened. He came and talked to me about it. And I was like, what's up with this? He was like, ah, uh, you know, uh, you know, some stuff happened and uh, I couldn't, you know, I, I got arrested. And so I was like, okay. And so I, um, uh -uh. Um, I got arrested and I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna have to write you up. And so he was like, well, can we talk about that? And I'm like, no. And so after his office visit was over, he was like, well, can I talk to you downstairs? And he had been on my caseload for a while. So we were cool enough. I was like, cool. So I go downstairs and talk to him and I was like, what's up? I kind of knew what he was going to say, but I was hoping not. Um, mm -hmm. and so he's like, well, you know, if you, um, if you don't violate me, I'll make it worth your while. And I was like, you have, you don't have enough money. I promise you don't have enough money to make um, me put how I take care of my family in jeopardy. Like, that's just not something that I'm, you know, willing to do. Um, he was like, okay, well, I had to try. And I'm like, I mean, not really. Because, I mean, I still have to do my job. And he ended up not even getting, um, they didn't actually file charges. But they filed charges, but they ended up not going anywhere. So because they didn't go anywhere in Texas, um, they never did file anything on him here. Now, so, you know, I'm sorry. So ahead. when you wrote him up, 
was it it was because he got arrested but was it also because he did not tell you because I want to cover that too because I know um some folks that I know they would get in trouble mainly yes. because you didn't yes. tell me and that's and, normally what it was a part of the rules and conditions um that we go over with them and of course you know it's like anything else you read the beginning you know you find out about it at the beginning and we have to sign paperwork to say that we went over your rules and conditions with you but of course when they start doing whatever they're doing nobody's thinking about that mm -hmm. and so that is one of the things that's on there is that if you do have law any type of law enforcement contact you're supposed to contact your um, PO and let them know so by the fact that he did go to Texas and I had to bring it up to him that he had um you know, that he got arrested, not even just had contact, but got arrested. Yeah, that was an issue as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I wanted to put a pin in that because I thought that was a learning tool. And were yeah. you going to finish with the story? Oh, yeah, I just uh, basically told him, you know, you don't have enough money for me to put my family in jeopardy. Like, I, this is my career. And at the end of the day, if I get fired, which I have seen people, you know, get fired for fraternizing um, inappropriately, you know, with offenders. Um, that's not something I'm willing to do, mm -hmm. you know, and I've worked too hard for, you know, the stuff that I've achieved to do that. And mm -hmm. so, you know, he understood. And, um, like I said, they never did, um, file anything. They filed charges on him, but he didn't actually get convicted down there. So nothing happened to his charges here. Mm -hmm. So he was able to, um, discharge his probation. Mm -hmm. So is that illegal to bribe you in that way or or is it is there more of an ethical thing on your to end? To me, it was more of an ethical thing. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he shouldn't have tried it. Um, I could have written him up again for trying that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was one of those things, discretionary. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I chose to just kind of not really say anything and just kind of went on. And we, um, you know, like I said, he never tried it again because he knew I wasn't doing that. So. Mm -hmm. And one thing that it did kind of bring to question is because this wasn't his first time being on probation. I'm wondering, you know, did mm -hmm. someone else take that? You Absolutely. Know what I mean? and <laughs> Absolutely. So I That's what made him so comfortable doing it. So right. if you're listening to I'm this. Like, who would even ask that? Yeah. Right? A baller. <laughs> Somebody that's used <laughs> to being able to pay their way out of stuff. So if you're listening, uh, listen. That may work on some. It may not work. It may make your situation way worse, you know, than what it had right. to be. Right. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. 
State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Shout out to you for, you know, having discretion and, you know, again, case-by-case situation. Everybody's not going to have discretion. Uh, Some people really going to you know, might feel very offended and and, and yeah. make your situation worse. I want to talk about how, as we're talking about discretion, because there's rules and then there's these gray areas like that. And I've seen mm-hmm. uh, probation officers really uh, use, power, weaponize their power. Um, the right. same relief that you saw when the anxiety goes out to say, hey, you know, okay, I might, this might not be as bad. There's, right. there's some that, I'm just to be honest, I wonder if they get a high off of it, a power high kick. Off. Yeah. Um, we, after I was a supervisor, um, there would be stuff that would happen and I would just see it. And cause like how, um, our office was set up was we had teams and I had, um, a team of like, maybe six or seven probation officers up under me. And there was like seven supervisors. So each supervisor had their own team. And so how our office was set up was we all kind of intermingled together. And so um, I would kind of just overhear conversations. And one particular day I heard, and he was a newer officer. um, And he was one of those people that wanted to be a police officer, but, you know, had not had that opportunity. Mm Mm-hmm for whatever reason. And so, you know, he was very um, Extra. happy, happy <laughs> to have a badge and a gun. Yeah. Let me just say that. And so um, one of the aspects of being a probation officer is having to go and do home visits on people just to make sure that they actually live where they say they live and, you know, just to see them actually in their home environment. Um, so um, how our office is set up is that we had flex time. And the officers had flex time, not for themselves, but to have to be able to flex their time around when their offenders were able to meet them. And so um, we could start doing home visits as early as five and be done as late as 11. I did never like to go anybody's house after like 10, 10 o'clock just because I just think that's rude. Mm-hmm. But we had that ability. So. And all, and I'm saying all that to say we have the ability to go whenever that would kind of go around the offenders, you know, time frames that they needed. And so this one guy, he um, he had made. I heard him overheard a conversation. Well, I just make my people stay home from work, mm-hmm. and I was like, what? And he was like, I just make them stay home from work until I get there. I said, so you're making people that just got out of prison have a record miss a day at work for you to come and do a 15 minute home visit Mm -hmm. that you may or may not even do that day. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, if I don't do it that day, I'll just do it another day. I said, so you're potentially making someone miss two days of work for you to do a 15 minute home visit. And he's like, yeah, well, I don't know what time I'm going to get there, but you can kind of gauge it a little bit. And if you know, they go to work at seven, then guess what? You might have to get up a little earlier or Mm -hmm. if they get up, did they go to work at seven? They get off at three or four. So you can go this evening. He's like, I don't work past five. Not knowing okay, what so type of issue you even causing on their job, because even though they can tell their job, hey, I got to be there with my my P.O. Right. is coming through. We all know right. that 
uh, jobs get tired of that too. And they start thinking well, that is a that, hindrance and it can cause them to lose their job. Right. That and the fact that they're probably just happy to have a job at this point. Absolutely. Because they may or, they may, or may not, you know, there's no telling how they even got that job. Right. Some people can't just not, you know, some people just can't miss work. Right. And so I said, no, that's not why you have flex time. I said, you have flex time so you can flex around that person's schedule. So no, and again, this person wasn't even on my team. So of mm-hmm. course, you know, I wasn't very well like, oh well. Right. But um, <clears throat> you know, this person was not on my team, but I went and told their supervisor, I was like, he's doing that wrong. We don't get to work eight to five. Mm-hmm. That's just not the job that we have. Mm-hmm. And if you've decided that you only can do your job between eight and five, then this isn't this this shouldn't be for you because you cannot get somebody fired and then you're gonna be mad at them when they don't have a job and then you're gonna be hounding them to go get another one. It's right. not that easy. Right. And then again, what happens to them, you know? And so what I'm glad you said, and thank you for, uh, for standing up. What happens though, when there's not somebody like you that stands up, what happens when like, there's all these rules on what the offender is supposed to do. What are the rules on what it is you're supposed to do? And I say that because uh, dealing with my friend uh, and man, I, I, it took everything for me not to check that woman because I know what she was doing was out of pocket and, the worst thing in the world for him was wanting to have to go back after serving almost 16 years. So I, I watched this man who I've always seen as a strong man. Literally, they it's almost they, they want to further dehumanize and be childlike and be yeah. so anxious about. And it was a white woman and she would. She would ask about his personal relationships, uh, who's he's dating and get into when he was having issues with his um, his his baby mom at the time. You know, are y'all working out and what's going on with y'all or why are you dating this woman, that woman? And the moment I I had a chance to finally talk to because she tried to check me over. So I well, hold on, wait a minute. I'm not your offender. So let's get the right. I, I'm definitely not the one you want to try, because not only am I going to talk about how you're violating him as a human being, I'm going to dig right. into your entire case file and I'm going to figure out who all in Oklahoma has had a problem with you because I don't believe that it's just this one person. The way that right. I see you're handling this case, it can't be just this one. Let's go right. ahead and dig into really how you conduct business, period. And do you right. know when I said that, this woman immediately paused the brakes and stopped everything that she was doing because she realized she had had the right one. But Kelly, there's not always somebody like me in the room or you in the room. What do they right. do when they're home? Because they don't want to speak up because they don't. And, and and my friend, he tried everything. He asked to be transferred to someone else that didn't work. He tried to soft little complain that didn't work. He was so nervous. Well, you know, I don't want to be tripping. I'm just glad. That, what do you what do they do when there's a situation where they say this doesn't feel right? I feel this person is is right. abusing me uh, emotionally or mentally and really, you know, trying to make my life harder. What do they do when there's not a Kelly in the office that is willing to report that person? Well, normally the avenue that they would have to take is they would just need to go above that officer um, and talk to that person's supervisor um, and kind of tell them what's going on. At our office, we switched around cases all the time. So if someone had an issue or even just as a supervisor, if I saw someone was having an issue and they were just not able to, some people just aren't going to make the connection. Not saying that they're going to get along. But the end goal, it should always be for this person to complete this portion of their life successfully and go on and do whatever they're going to do. That should always be the end goal. If it's anything other than that, you don't need to work here. You know, and that's what I used to tell people all the time. 
you you your goal should be for them to be able to complete their probation or parole sentence and move on with their life. If your specific goal is to violate everybody, we got a problem. And mm-hmm. so um, their first step should always be that officer's immediate supervisor and then could kind of go from there mm-hmm. because that person has the ability to make those changes. It's not really a big deal to change someone's probation officer. They may make it seem like it is, but it's not. What if they say... Well, I go if I go to that person, it's going to make it even worse because they're all connected. They all work with each other. They they all like how do they get over that anxiety of just telling, if you will, you know, somebody who's like, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where um, sometimes you just have to kind of suck it up and deal with it. You know, if you aren't willing to tell because that's the only way that it's going to change is you have to say you have to open up your mouth and say something. Do they have because anonymous like tips or is that set up in the system anywhere? Like what it should be with cops on the ground? Like, is there is there a system set up they, in, in a lot of yeah, probation? They have, they have a um, grievance policy that is set up with um, if your officer is, you know, you feel like your officer is mistreating you in any type of way. They have a grievance policy set up to where the offenders can file a grievance on that officer. But can they do it anonymous, change. though? Mm, probably not. Maybe should it be? <laughs> because, say that again. Maybe, do you think it should be? I know that the, in order to, I, I, I'm not necessarily saying that the, the, the anonymous tip or the grievance policy shouldn't result in an officer losing their job without having the details of the file and, you know, really mm-hmm. being able to uh, mediate that and figure out who did what. But right. I, should there be, uh, you know, a complaint system where somebody's able to say, hey, you know what? I think Kelly is too rough on me. She's too whatever. That at least it it gives the supervisor a heads up to look further into something or to, and you know, that, should, should there be something like that? And and that has happened. Um, I had um, a girlfriend complain on me one time because she said that I was too friendly with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I think I was, I don't know how old I was at the time, But the boy was like 18 and I was, I'm sure, 30 something. And so she called and she was like, I just don't like that relationship. So she had called and talked to my supervisor. So he came and talked to me about it. And I was like, what? Like they literally went through my personal cell phone um, records. They went through um, my um, office cell phone records. To see if I was making any, you know, like all the time of calls to this particular number. Of course, I wasn't because, again, he was 18. And but but she did it. But she didn't do it anonymously, though. So I'm asking. She didn't do it anonymously. I'm asking, should there be. Do you have an inappropriate relationship? Do you think that the system could benefit? And this is my question. Could the system benefit from having some type of tip line? Or do you think that would open up the officers to be vulnerable to certain things? Like, do you see that being a benefit a benefit or is it a negative anonymous tip line yeah um i think it probably would be beneficial for it to be anonymous because you will have people that may i kind of see where you're going like someone like if they complain on their officer then their officer kind of be vindictive and try to get them yeah because like that happened you have anonymous tip lines at work you have suggestion boxes in corporate america i i think now, the supervisor could abuse that, too, and take that anonymous tip as face value, which I don't think that they should. But right. at least it puts more onus on the professional, the supervisor to, right. you know, make a decision, a thoughtful decision on how they look at that tip or if, you right. know, it's something they look into. But I don't think the I don't think that all of 
the responsibility should be on the offender to complain because although we're saying, okay, you suck it up, you just got to tell. I know what I've seen, you know, with just people I know that have come home, the anxiety is so high that, and they just spent 15 years of sucking it up with a bad CEO or a bad case manager or whatever, because it was all about, hey, I just want to do my time and I just want to get home. But people that come home and have to do five additional years on probation and manage everyday life and they feel they have nobody to talk to without attaching their name. That's a real fear. And I'm just wondering if if that if it would be beneficial, because if you just have one complaint of saying, hey, Kelly is like this. okay, fine. But if you see numerous over and over and over various people, the common denominator say it kind of might be Kelly. So I'm just wondering. And, we, and we've had that. Um, mm-hmm. We did have that. We had one guy um, that there were numerous complaints and come to find out, I think he was doing, I don't remember what he was doing, but they did find out that he was doing some shadiness. And so we did have those complaints. And I don't know if they were anonymous or what, but we, there, again, there are avenues and it's kind of like the, um, what does it say? The squeaky wheel is the one that gets the oil. Yeah. So if you have, continuous of complaints on this one person at some point, and, you know, it's coming from different angles. <clears throat> they have to look at that because everybody's not going to be complaining, you know, about one person, mm-hmm. you know, there's like, you know, normally I just don't like them or they don't like me, stuff like that. But when you continually have complaints about one particular person, there's maybe not that going on, but there's got to be something there. Yeah. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! (laughs) And outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Well, I'm going to give some tips to those who are listening. You can let me know, and it's okay if you disagree, um, because right now what I heard you say is there's not really a system, per se, that has an anonymous tip line. So what Mm -hmm. I uh, have told individuals that if you are uncomfortable, you know, coming forward, just like I would if I was in HR, whistleblowing, that type of thing, to reach out to an organization outside of the system, like, uh, you know, whether it's the Urban League or the NAACP or your pastor or somebody um, in a leadership position within the community uh, that is willing to go speak on your behalf without saying who you are, because those are th- that would be my tip. 
Because if I know if I were to go to my friend, Mr. Pruitt, you know, Oklahoma City and NAACP uh, president in Oklahoma City, I've, I've given him certain cases where he can go and actually say, hey, we're getting some complaints, um, you know, out of this office that Kelly is X, Y, Z out of protection of the folks that I'm representing. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into the details, but I do want to make right. you aware. So that would be my my suggestion. You can let me know if you disagree with that. But I know that has been helpful, you know, that I've told people that get somebody to advocate on your behalf, because yeah. I just think it is really hard to, you know, for people to uh, give their and even the psychological part of the, the no snitching code. You know, that's a whole nother yeah. conversation, you yeah. know. And so it just it, it's just really hard. And I, I've just seen so many people just have, yeah. have uh, officers abuse their power and they just feel helpless yeah. and then they well, act out and they end up going back to prison. Right. Let me just tell you one thing that that, that no uh, state agency want is any outside agency coming I to ask them questions. <laughs> <laughs> so I bet they don't. I bet they don't. If that is what avenue they choose to take, they would definitely get some results. You better believe it. Wants, nobody wants that press. You better believe it because I told it. <laughs> t- I know it worked. And then my friend said, well, I wish I'd have known this all the time. And he knows me, he know, but again, that I couldn't compete with the anxiety right. that he had for 16 years, even though I'm like, hey, now, you right. know, I can shut this down now. And he was like, no, right. I don't want you to. Nobody ever want me to show up. My grandma don't want me to show up. Once somebody called me, they know it's over with. So they, they do right. it. They avoid everything, <laughs> you know, to call me. Right. But it was just to the point. She just happened to call me one time on on his behalf. And so I had my opportunity because she you know, kind of got a little slip with the lips with me. So it gave me an opportunity to say, wait a minute, hold up. Right. You got the right. Cause see that happens too with um, like, you know, talking to the girlfriends or the cousin or the family and even the family will tolerate certain abuses because they don't right. want to make it harder for their loved one. This particular right. time I was able because I know what I do for a living, I was able to make it easier for my loved one, but I know that is rare. It doesn't happen that way. Right. Most people just, right. we just want you to get home. We want you to stay home. But I was able to shut it down and say, no, no, no. Not only am I going to do I'm going to pull every file you have. I will have a press conference tomorrow. I told you, you might right. want to Google me. Uh, I was <laughs> responsible. I don't know if you, I was responsible. I was a part of the Oklahoma City Housecloth rape case. Um, so I, when I go after you, it, I'm not playing games with you. I right. will call a full press conference and ask anybody that ever did any time with you. Let's start right. digging into the files, and it's going to turn to a class action lawsuit. I mean, she shut it all the way down. So for those who are listening, uh, let me also say don't 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 write a, a check uh, that your ass can't cash. <laughs> don't sit around and talk about what you're gonna do and how you're gonna do and all of that and you know you don't have the resource right. so let me say that too be very right. careful although i'm sharing my personal story indirectly affected i want to make sure that you understand don't try that at home don't sit around here right. and make threats to probation officers state agencies right uh, because you really can't make your life a living here especially when you know you're not standing on justice and facts my particular right. situation i knew i was standing on what was right so let me put that out there too don't start trying to d- uh, punk the system because the system got a way of letting you know that they are the system. So let's right. <laughs> let's make that let's make that clear uh, as well. Um, so a- as we wrap up our time here, uh, give a couple of more things. And I've been enjoying this conversation. We talked about d- make sure you don't try to bribe your uh, your your PO. <laughs> uh, make sure that you're staying in communication. Uh, if you get arrested, different move right. things of that sort. Um, right. Uh, give us a couple of other things. We talked about what to handle, 
you know, when someone is abusing their power. And thank you for going down right. that that road with me because um, people can get offended with that and say, oh, no, it's never us. But it is us. So thank you for being transparent mm-hmm. enough to show to say that, hey, everybody that work here doesn't need to work here. We also talked mm-hmm. about not exploiting um, when you see someone like yourself. Um, if you could give us maybe a couple of more things, you know, as we wrap up, I love how you talked about the main goal is to get this part of the process complete. Um, yeah. And that is what this really is all about, reducing recidivism. If you were to name a couple of things or one or two or however you want to frame it on something that you see that happens all the time, we're talking over your 20-year career, that you've seen mm-hmm. probably the most um, with how people violate. What is that? If you had to sum up that one or two thing that mm-hmm. you just consistently see one out of every 10 or one out of every five or one out of every 20, that is usually the thing that that breaks. Is it the family dynamic at home? Is it being connected? Because one of the shows talked about, you know, jumping in these relationships and not being ready for relationships and domestic mm-hmm. violence and that is something people violate for. You may have a girlfriend and every time you do something, she say, hey, I'm going to call your P.O.P.O. We got to talk about that too, ladies. Maybe not for this conversation, yeah. but it's a conversation to be had. How you weaponize same way these yeah. P.O.s weaponize. Some of y'all be weaponizing yeah. it too. Um, yeah. I know that's a high one on the list. Um, yeah. What What do you see? Is it the, the person? Is it the, uh, you know, the indirect relationships around them? What have you seen the most, Kelly, um, that you can tell um, our listeners to look out probably for? Probably a combination of all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one more story, but one uh, in particular that literally just broke my heart because I saw, I, we, we all saw it coming. And so this guy got out on an ankle monitor um, and in Oklahoma, I'm sure you know this at this point, but if they get out um, on the ankle monitor program, they can't do anything wrong because they're still considered an inmate. And basically what Oklahoma did was they let people out on these on these GPS programs to um, alleviate prison crowding. So. They let people out on um, the GPS programs and those people were still considered inmates, but they were still, they were able to go get a job. They were, they were able to go home. They had to be home at a certain time. The GPS monitor had to, you know, tell us what they were doing everywhere they went. And they had, and they set up like the officers sets up um, parameters for the, what times they work, what times they should be at home. If they want to do anything outside of those parameters, they would have to inform their officers so they could change it. And so one guy got out girlfriend was up there brought him up to the office we could tell on the first visit that she was going to be a problem and we talked to him and said if you would like to move someplace else let us know so we can do a home offer somewhere else because we saw that she was going to be an issue Mm -hmm. so of course they get into it he go to the other chick house she calling up there he this he that he she calling every day she calling she calling she calling finally i think what did he do? I don't remember specifically what he did, but it was enough to get him sent back. And he was up there and then she's up there with him crying. And I literally told her, I'm like, you're the reason he's going back to prison. Mm-hmm. Like you are the reason because you called up here every day with something. And now you're in here crying and snotting because he's mm-hmm. going back to prison. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do that. And I'm not saying that people, um, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't call if they need. Have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if something's generally, generally wrong, mm-hmm. genuinely wrong, then yes, call up here. 
But every day mm-hmm. you're calling, you're just calling because you're pissed off. Right. And maybe you just need this to get is, out that relationship. Right. Opposed this to is not feeling like you his PO. For you to, you know, right. air out all of your relationship issues. Right. Because, sweetie, I don't care what mm-hmm. he's doing and where he went. I'm concerned about, you know, these particular things, but you're calling every day. So we have to look into it. Mm-hmm. And I think he ended up getting arrested for like a, um, like a driving under suspension, something. Mm-hmm. He went back to prison for that. Mm. Literally, because she just kept, you know what I mean? It was like everything. So then it was like, okay, yeah, okay, we got, you know, we got to do the paperwork. And it was so sad because he, I mean, he was crying, she was crying. And I'm just looking like, this is your fault. Like, you know, you up here snotting and crying, but... You did that. Right. So, and, and also him, again, he has to take some response. And I get, I know when people come home, they look to these relationships to help get them yeah, where they need to you be. You got to know when something ain't for you. Yes, right. That's right. Because yeah. it, it was him and her. She did it. Right. But also he allowed, you know, we only can right. allow, we don't, right. people can only do what we allow them to do. But right. I do lean towards him yeah. in that way because of the vulnerabilities attached with coming home. Right. That might have been his right. only support system, his only. Right. And that's you know, the thing. So. Um, again, I think it's just a combination of all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot. When you're coming home and you've been gone, you know, it lit- and this is what I even tell like the kids that I deal with now. You got to understand like they're in juvenile for because um, we have YOs now. So they may be there for up to a year before they get placed or go wherever they're going. You got baby mamas or whatever out here. They're going to wait for you for a little bit. But nobody's finna sit down and wait for you for five, six years. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So when you get home, it's a whole new world. The world does not stop mm-hmm. because you're not in it anymore. Mm-hmm. It continues to go. So when they get home, it is hard. It is an adjustment. You haven't been around your family in five years. You haven't been around people that you grew up with in five years. Again, people evolve and things happen. And so they have to. And it's hard and it sucks. And some people have that support system and some people don't. Mm-hmm. And so um, the biggest thing is obviously to try to get some sense of normalcy started. Do take the resources that are given to you. You know, try to go find a job. It may not be the job that you want, but at least it's giving you something to do every day. So mm-hmm. you can, you know, while you're working there, you know, you can kind of build up a little bit, get you a little bit of money, you know, so you don't have to immediately go back to the street. You don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, go back to doing what you were doing to get you put back in the first place. And that's one of the biggest things too is, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, my people used to hear this all the time. My people already had me set up when I got home. Okay, set up how? <laughs> right. <laughs> and know? they usually not set up the way they think because <laughs> you still got to adjust. How. Right. <laughs> yeah. So set up how? And, you know, it's like, no, 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 you know, I got this, I got this going. Okay, that's fine. You know, and I hope that that works out for you. So, you know, if it doesn't, okay, then if if that job that your people had set up for you didn't work, let's try this other job. And they do get frustrated because a lot of people don't want to hire felons. And they, you know, especially depending if they got, depending on what their charges are. Mm-hmm. So it is hard. But um, the biggest thing is a support system. Again, some people just don't have that. And some people do come out with the idea, you know what, I'm not doing any of that because they have, they're tired. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing this since they were 13, 14, 15. And they're tired. Now they're 30. And, you know, people look up and like, I'm 35 and I don't have anything to show for my life. Mm-hmm. So they do come out, you know, with a different mindset. Like I am going to go off and do other things with myself. And so those things are important, but it's a combination of everything. I think you just have to um, 
I don't know. It's easy for me to say, you know, just kind of persevere and do better, but because that's not my life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's um, a day by day thing. <laughs> and and you said it beautifully, Kelly, without even hearing all of the other episodes, because um, I'm sure you haven't had time to listen to all the episodes, nor have we released them. We have two that we released that we haven't even released since you did this. But, you know, with the last two was with a uh, psychiatrist, Dr. Smith and uh, Clifford Johnson, who did 15 years. And both of them said exactly had they, you haven't even heard these interviews said exactly what you said about um, the support system. And I brought up like what happens, though, when they don't have a support system? Like how do they get mm-hmm. other, you know, other other ways to support, whether it's church, friend, you know, other outside entities, mm-hmm. support groups, whatever it is, because everybody mm-hmm. doesn't have that. And you said exactly what I mean, you're literally like saying verbatim um, that this interview is so important because you're literally saying verbatim things that they talked about um, on ha- on one, if you have that support system, appreciate it. If you are that support system, not to abuse it um, mm-hmm. and and to really value it. And we talked about that because um, when my friend was doing time, there was a lot that I didn't tell him um, while he was doing time. And I told him it was because mm-hmm. whatever you needed to keep you motivated to do your time better Right. I let you think that, you know, and that goes with that. Oh, no, I'm set up. I'm going to get home. I got this, this straight order, this and that. We hear that a lot. And a lot of times that need, you have to have that to do that time because you need to look to something. But then when you come home and see that it's not as easy as you thought or the homies ain't chipping in like you thought or the job right. is high. This is where they crash and burn and say, forget it. I'm going back to the streets. You right. spoke directly on it and you're dead on this. I know you have that experience because that's exactly what my last guest talked about. The last two guests from the mental standpoint, the psychological standpoint, uh, from a professional side and from somebody doing time. In the very first interview that we did with Lois, uh, Lewis Reed, he talked about that support system. And that's why this podcast has been so, it, it's weaving it all together uh, to make sense. But we do want to give a shout out to those that may not have somebody. You know, we like mm-hmm. to say, oh, somebody loves you. Somebody had, and they may be listening to this right now saying, I don't have that. So I just want to speak right. directly to them to say, and like I said in the last episode, that it may not be your mom, your dad, your friend, your cousin, right. your whatever. But even this right. podcast here, this is a support system. You don't have to know me personally, but the tools are out there. Find those right. tools. If they're listening to this, Kelly, that means they've already taken a giant step that many people, because this is not mandatory listening. They're clicking on this because they already have somewhat of some motivation to say, right. I want to do better. So I want right. to speak to you directly that if you did that, you are halfway where you need to be. And so keep clicking and listening. I'm not talking about this podcast, but any type of self-help, any type of anybody can give you some game. The same way you learn the game to do whatever criminal activity, you know, they got you right. in the system. And shout out to right. those who are maybe may innocent and had to do time for stuff that I want to make sure that I'm not overlooking them. Whatever it is that got you in those circumstances to get behind that wall, be just as resourceful to help you get out and survive and not go back. And that's what this podcast right. was all about. Most definitely. Well, Kelly, you've been great. And thank you so much. I know our time is up, but I know there's so much you can cover, but I think you've covered, no thing to it. You've covered quite a bit. And I'm just going to recap. You talked about uh, the support system and how, you know, really latching onto a support system the importance of not abusing uh, your probation officer. Also, the importance of the probation officer not abusing you, of mutual respect, a mutual relationship. Respect is key. 
Uh, don't try Kelly just because you think, oh, yeah, she black, she a female. Don't try it. If you can see her face, she look like the type to not to try. <laughs> uh, and people got to, y'all might stop trying people. Like I tell people, I was in the military. I was an SP. I was an M60 gunner. Like, don't ever get this confused. Everybody don't look right. the way they <laughs> Way present. So yeah. uh, I appreciate you touching on that and the transparency of the stories that you've shared um, outside of the do's and don'ts. Obviously, when, uh, when people go home, you'll have an opportunity to get to know who your probation officer is. You'll get all of the information that she told you. But shout out to you for giving us some inside game, inside ball uh, on what, you know, one should do uh, and not do. Uh, as they go through this journey again, hopefully we will extend this conversation. I'm hoping because I think there's so much more. I want to bring some panels back where I can kind of match up and we can have, you know, even debate, if you will, difference of opinions on how right. uh, you see it. You see it from your side versus how uh, the psychologist may see it or the person that's been that did time may see it. I think there's a lot of room, you know, to have this conversation and to go far further. So, if we continue this right. conversation, I do hope you stick around and become a part of Straight Shot No Chaser family. Um, so as we can continue uh, this conversation. So, Kelly, again, if you unless you have anything else you want to say in closing, I'm going to wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to say? I normally tell people, hey, where can they find you? But they don't need to be finding you. They don't need to be finding you on Instagram or Twitter or nothing. No. So don't worry about I mean, where Kelly's at. <laughs> don't worry about where <laughs> Kelly's at. <laughs> no. Um, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity. Um you know, even though I did retire, I retired three years ago now, um, yeah. you know, it was, I met some very, very interesting people. I will say that, um, and people that I see now, you know, out, um, one girl, I, she was on my case when she was 17 mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I had her until she was 20 something. And then we, and she got off probation and I lost touch. I saw her last year, like last summer at Quick Trip and, she, and I was messing with my son and she was like, Kelly. And I turned around and I was like, oh, my gosh, like I haven't seen her in like 15 years. Mm -hmm. And like I just hugged her, you know, and just was like, I'm so glad that you're doing good because, you know, she literally was one of those because she was 17 when I got yeah. her. So she was one of my babies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I just hugged her and then she found me on Facebook and I friended her and she made a post about to cry. But she made a mm -hmm. post and she put my picture up and she was just like this lady did so much for me and she just will never know. And she, I mean, and I did, I kind of went above and beyond for her because she was young and I wanted to help her. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, stuff like that made it worth it. Yeah. And you, you don't know, get those all if, the time. It's not, it's a thankless job. So yeah, when you get and that, it gives like you a, that, yeah. yeah, that made it worth it. You know, when I get people to say, thank you, you know, thank you for being hard on me. Thank you for understanding, you know, those things. The pay is not the greatest. I mean, it's a state, it's a state job. So, you know, it's not, you know, everybody mm -hmm. works, it works two and three jobs, but that, those things let me know I was doing the best that I could. Yeah. So that's, so, you know, um, that, that is always something that I would always take, take away from my experience. Yeah. Um, and to know, like I said, that I did, you know, make a difference. And yeah. so. And so I'll say that then to those who are listening, the same way I'm saying complain if they're not doing the right thing. Also be grateful and say thank you. You know, if somebody's taking this is what I do is very thankless. In politics, yeah. I'm literally talking to a cemetery on most days. So when someone yeah. pours into me and say, you know what, Teslin, I appreciate what you said. This helped me. Even when these podcasts, yeah. very few people, we, we respond negatively all the time. We don't like something. Right. We tweet and we talk and we right. don't, I don't like it. Very few times if somebody hit me up in the DM because we have an issue of publicly giving praise and that's sad. 
Um, right. But in the, in the DM, oh man, that really helped me. I really appreciate it. You know, that interview, right. that gives me another hundred miles, you know, more gas to go even further because right. it is a very thankless job. So right. when somebody is pouring into you, be grateful. And so that blessing can come back to you 10 times fold. So right. I'm, I'm glad you shared that story at the end because you you also have to be motivated to know, OK, I'm doing the right thing. How People that right. end up getting corrupt and are end up saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm over it. It's because nobody ever poured into them, too. And people can't assume that you're getting poured into at home or uh, right. everywhere else. Because guess what, folks? That's not what it is. I'm Usually when I'm like this, I'm <laughs> the one that pour into everybody everywhere. You know, with my right. child, my relationship, my, my right. job, everything that I do, I'm pouring, pouring, pouring. And so don't assume, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, I'll tell you, do you all that, but I don't want your head to blow up any bigger. Well, why? I'm putting my life online to make sure you know who you right, are, to make right. sure you have value. And, What's wrong with blowing up my head? And don't assume right. that my head is blown right, up. Cause it ain't. Be right, because it ain't. supposed to be Right, because it ain't. Because trust me, right. few people say good, they always say negative. But why right. would you not want to say, Kelly, thank you, I appreciate it? What is that? Right. What is that about? And right. again, that goes into mental health. What is it about not us not wanting to uplift everybody? If I'm willing right. to go fight the good fight and fight the quote-unquote man for you, I believe in lifting you up. Why can't you lift me up? So we, again, right. that's that's trauma and that's not loving on each other as we should. Right. And so again, that's a whole nother podcast. But that <laughs> I'm, I'm touching on that because a lot of that has to do with why a lot of folks are doing time and those relationships, bad relationships that you get into when you get home, Definitely. which can help, which causes these violations. So, right. Thank you again, Kelly, so much for joining me. Um, hope to have you back because I do want to talk about juvenile detention. I also want to talk about, you know, what uh, has been the most rewarding. Um, some people say is the babies and, you know, getting the turn, getting, uh, you know, that sweet spot of touching them and turning them around in another direction. And then some folks say, I love teaching old dogs new tricks and letting them know that they're still, you know, light. And so you have yeah. a unique experience of working with both sides. And so I would love to you know, bring you back to, to talk uh, about that. I kind of want to ask you, though, if you can answer, what has been the most rewarding? Has it been the juveniles or the uh, that you see down the road, like that um, young lady or hmm. the adults? <laughs> I'm still probably working. I've been at the juvenile. Okay. I've only been a juvenile for like two years. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's not rewarding yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You got a little ways to go. Yeah, you got to yeah, see them turn around to get the, yeah. Yeah, it's not rewarding yet. Um, I, You know what? I'm lying. Me and my son were uh, at dinner and one of the kids, I forgot, and uh, I, we were sitting there and this kid walks by and he's like, I know you. And I'm like, why? And um, he's like, you work at Juvenile? And I said, yeah. And as he was talking, I did remember him. And I was like, oh, I do remember you. He's like, yeah, I'm not doing any of that stuff no more. He's Because he was working at Cheddar's and, you know, he was doing good. He's like, I'm going to school. I work here. He's like, I'm done. I'm not. I'm done. And I was like, well, good. You know, so that makes me happy mm -hmm. not even to say that you know i had a big impact on his life because i don't think i did but just for him to stop and say hey mm -hmm. you know i i know you and mm -hmm. you know I, this is what i'm doing mm -hmm. and so you know it does give you that okay somebody can you know turn it around because i did i did the other side for so long and i see so many of the the kids that we have i see them on the other side you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i see them 20 years from now still going in and out of the system just because I I did it for so long and I kind of see, you know, mm -hmm. what that is. Hopefully something will happen in between now and then to stop it. But they're so entrenched into the life that they are currently living mm -hmm. that, you know, and when we tell them how you're going right now, 
you have two options. Either you're going to be in prison or you're going to be dead mm-hmm. because you cannot continue in the manner that you're going. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> um, like I said, it's not technically rewarding yet. Yeah, It's hard but, for you to see it because they can't see it. They still have so much to give. But right. I do want to point out, don't minimize. And it's kind of a perfect example in real time of what I'm talking about, how we minimize our efforts when you said, well, you know, I probably didn't make that big of an impact on his life. And I would disagree. It was an impact enough for him to remember you and stop. So that's a big impact. True. So True. that's what I'm saying. So, we have yeah. to lift each other and remind our girl, you did that. Let's not skate yeah. over that because he obviously remembered <laughs> yeah. you, you know? So, yeah. yeah, no, keep doing what you're doing. And I, I yeah. hope that gave you a little bit more distance, you know? It did, and it going. helps. And, you know, some of the kids, like, they will come and say, Miss Kelly, you know, we we appreciate you. And they, you know, I know that, you know, how some of them respond to me, I can tell that I am helping. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, So it's just, I don't know. I just have... It's just me. I mean, and I'm in, you know, I have a 10 year old. I'm in love with my son. Mm -hmm. I just have this thing for just these black boys. I just Mm -hmm. want them to do so much better. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I just, Mm -hmm. and I feel like, you know, a lot of times they just don't have that someone to, you know, Mm -hmm. love on them and just kind of, you know, give them that, you know, you don't, this doesn't have to be you. Mm -hmm. So that is, um, kind of just where I'm at. But the most rewarding, I think, would be, like the the stop in the quick trip to say, you know, I do appreciate you. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate all the things that you did for me. Mm-hmm. That, you know, let me know, okay, I did help somebody. Mm-hmm. And that was always my thing. Even I can't, you can't help everybody. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you do break the crack with some people. It makes you know a difference. I mean? And like, they, people shouldn't just yeah. say, oh, well, that's just her job. So she just used to doing. It. No, this is emotionally draining. So Anything you can give back to say, hey, good looking out. I appreciate that. Most definitely. Um, it is. Makes a like you said, it's a thankless job. And, and again, it's a state job. So the pay was not great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, I um, am thankful because I was able to retire and I no longer have to work two jobs because I get a retirement check. Mm-hmm. So it works Amen. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it it is. And, and I see people out in the community and one of my friends, she would always be like, um, <clears throat> Do you know all the criminals? I was like, how about you just be mad because everybody in Tulsa is on probation? Like, right. don't be mad at me because I know. <laughs> right. Like, and know? then that's, that's like, interesting, so. too. When you come back, I like to talk about that. Like people walking up on you all the time. Like that's some anxiety with that, too, I'm oh. sure. Because everybody's yeah. experience wasn't a great experience. You know, yeah. people seeing you well, in such I, a small yeah. town. I have one more story and then I'm going to let you because I could talk about this okay. forever, obviously. <laughs> and I know we only have a certain amount of time. But um, me and my son were at, again, we had went to get something to eat. And this guy like followed us outside and I'm like holding on to my kid, like, what you want? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, um, you used to work at the probation office. And I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, I just wanted to tell you, you know, I remember you was always a good one. And I was like, okay, I don't remember him mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, you walked in and I saw you and I remembered you. And I just wanted to you know, tell you that you, you know, you, you was always a good one. And I was like, thank you. Which was kind of scary mm-hmm. because I don't remember that man at mm-hmm. all. But. You know, again, enough for him to come and say. But even if you remember them, they're still scary. Somebody walking up to you, you know, you don't know what impact you had on that person. Could have been a negative experience or your colleague could have done something. And again, mental illness is real. So they could look at you as the same thing as hurting, you know, as hurting being a representative of a bad experience, period. So that's a lot. So that's so it's you know it comes both ways like mm-hmm. there's the good and then there's the oh what do you want and you know again because this is my kid like i'm not at work so you know what i mean like this is my child and i have to 
you well, know, I hope you stay strapped. I'm not going to ask you if you be strapped or not because people don't need to know. But I, I'm hoping you stay strapped at all times. I believe I, in the second amendment. I, I have a friend with me at all times. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. I believe me and my girlfriend, honey. I believe in it. So, yeah, don't try it. And you have yeah. to. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. This has been wonderful. I anticipated well, it being a great opportunity. interview. Yeah, I, I anticipated being a great interview, but it turned out even better than what I thought because all of the things I wanted to talk about, I like them to come out naturally in the conversation because I just want people to feel like they're just in the room and we're just chatting. And you were right. able to touch on all those points and you weaved in perfectly um, how to well, closing out this series. So again, shout out to Councilwoman Harper uh, for always looking out, uh, being one of the best allies that I have in the game uh, and, and answering the call and recommending you when I said, you know, I was looking for somebody. I wanted a very, I was looking for somebody with a very particular, you know, background. And shout out to everybody. I didn't know I had so many followers that um, either know somebody in this field or in this field themselves or whatever. I learned a great deal amount just doing this series as we wrap it up that I have a lot of mental health experts that follow me that work uh, exactly with, you know, uh, incarcerated individuals. We have um, therapists and psychologists and clinical workers and social workers and POs. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing because we want, I, I, I pride myself on uh, being able to talk to various walks of life. And then I'd ask folks, I, I put a call out to say how many folks have violated. And I got a whole bunch of people saying, yeah, I violated. I did. So we have across the spectrum. So this was rewarding to me uh, for doing this entire project. Thank you again to the George Floyd Foundation for allowing uh, me the opportunity to uh, create this content, originally create this content, find the sources that we need, put it together, do the interviews. And I hope we can do more. We gave tangible, real tools uh, to hopefully uh, make your time a little bit better while you're doing the time and have hope uh, as you come home. So thank you again to my guest, Kelly. Make sure you go back and listen to all six episodes. Uh, you will see at the title of it, at the beginning of the description, it will say uh, the George Floyd Foundation Partnership in case you want to uh, listen to them back to back to kind of weave it all together. And then hopefully we will extend this conversation as we move forward uh, and go deeper into it. So again, thank you, Kelly, for me with me again late in the evening after having a long day of work and having a little one. I get it. I got a teenager myself, so I understand. And we're still here doing this work because it needs to be done. So thank you again, Kelly. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Please subscribe to Straight Shot No Chaser wherever you get your podcast. Peace. If you like what you heard on Straight Shot No Chaser, please subscribe and drop a five-star review and tell a friend. Straight Shot No Chaser is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. I'm Teslin Figueroa, and I'd like to thank our producer, editor, mixer, Dwayne Crawford. And our executive producer, Charlemagne Nagat. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare at&t connects an ode to podcasts connect the alarm change the podcast you stream connect the snooze 10 more minutes to dream connect the shower Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. 
Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.